Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome back to Angel on Top, a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of Angel, one by one, spoiler-free, and in tandem with those bitches over at Buffering the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> I'm your co-host, LaToya Ferguson, a.k.a. the Cordelia Chase of the Bufferingverse, a.k.a. Bones, a.k.a. one half of the Gun Squad, Bang Bang, a.k.a. Theodore K. Mullins, a.k.a. Gilly... A.K.A. lover of long, winded bits. And I'm Morgan Ludich, A.K.A. the Winifred Burkle of the Buffering Verse. A.K.A. also Bones. A.K.A. the other half of the Gun Squad. Pew pew! A.K.A. Frank Scabopolis. A.K.A. Sorry. A.K.A. also a lover of long, winded bits. And this week, we're watching Angel Season 3, Episode 19, The Price. The Price was written by David Fury, another David, and directed by Marita Grabiak. It aired on the WB on April 29th, 2002. And this is the one where the Hyperion is invaded by clear parasitic slugs as a result of Angel's big spell. What? (laughs) Sounds like a price to me. Previously on Angel, Cordy and Gru are back from Mexico. What happened? Wes thought Angel was going to kill Connor. He left with the baby and wasn't planning to come back and got psyched by Justine. <laughs> Again, young me was traumatized already and they kept showing the throat slitting. Every week, previously on Angel, slit, oh, no. slit. No. Uh, the court transporter opened up and then Holt pushed Justine to run away with baby Connor. Hilarious. Lauren says there are no portals to Kortoth. You're punching through the fabric of time using dark, dark magic. Mm-hmm. Angel did that dark, dark magic after torturing Linwood, who got Lila to help. Nothing happened when he did the spell. Then he dropped Linwood down the stairs. It was hilarious. Very funny. Angel tries to kill Wes, also kind of hilarious. <laughs> Cordy says, I'm so sorry to Angel and comforts him. Less hilarious. Mm-hmm. Dang, what a ride it has been. Uh, Latoya, how'd you feel about the price? I mean, in general, I've always kind of really enjoyed this episode. It seems like the one, the kind of one that would traumatize me. Mm-hmm. But that no, that is actually um, Afterlife from season six of Buffy, which is a similar premise. Mm. That's the episode that traumatizes me, as opposed to this one. There's a little fun uh, translucent slugs. Um, rewatching this episode, though, it's like it wasn't go- able to go as full tilt horror as it wanted to. Mm-hmm. And then I did also note uh, beforehand that the Wolfram Heart scenes, as much as we we love Wolfram Heart scenes, we love Lila and we love Gavin and their whole little thing, like. Those weren't in the shooting script, so they added those after the fact, and I'm not sure, I'm still not sure why. 
Yeah, that is strange because it, it seems like with and, and what I had said before, with that in mind, it seems like they basically planned to make it like a bottle episode and to do kind of more of a like the thing thing, which I love the thing um, and that rules. And I would have loved to see kind of like paranoia between all of them wondering, you know, who got slugged up and who didn't. But um, instead, it's just like, oh, Fred got slugged up and it's quite obvious. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not quite as tense as you assume it is going to be once it you find out there are like face hugger parasites, essentially. Mm -hmm. It starts off well, I think, and then it's just, it's because like when heart scenes happen, like there will be a scene like where's Gun, and then the next scene should be Gun going to West. That's like what's the next scene in the script? But instead, you have a Wolfman Heart scene mm -hmm. in between that scene. They keep doing it. It's like oh, uh, we, we the audience see now there are more slugs, and then immediately you go to Wolfman Heart instead of the scene where Cordelia and them realize there are more slugs. It's like used as a buffer. So maybe it's also to fill for time, which again, we're not saying we don't want Lila and Gavin's pettiness in this episode. That's always fun. I need but it. But it just seems like it is possibly filler because also I will, we'll get there, but Gavin's play, I don't think is good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear about another beautiful boy with bad plans. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I agree. It it does feel like it also like reduces the urgency of it, which normally I feel like you want to increase the urgency of everything. Uh, so it feels more important and vital and necessary. Um, but yeah, it, it, it also just feels like, you know, Fred gets gets slugged up and you're like, but I mean, it's not a finale. Who it's gonna gets be fine. slugged up? Fred, <laughs> Fred gets slugged up. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it's it's just kind of a weird one where it's one of those ones where it's like, I mean, I know nothing's going to happen to anybody, so how much can I be worried? But that said, there are a couple things and scenes in this episode that I really, really like. Yeah. yeah. And we'll talk about them. Mm -hmm. But first up, we have to open the episode with B-roll of Santa Monica because this show loves to mess with specifically us. I was furious. I saw Santa Monica and I was like, okay, are we beginning in Santa Monica? Of course, no, we're beginning at the Hyperion. And I'm like, this is a personal attack on the <laughs> two of us and our feelings on this show in LA geography. Like, what is it doing? This is not the episode to start with B-roll of Santa Monica, first of all. Yeah, they don't go outside in it. <laughs> they go across the street and that's it. Then they come back home. <laughs> Fools. Um, Santa Monica's across the street from the Hyperion. Yeah, you can just walk right over to the pier. <laughs> it's like um, The Simpsons. It's Springfield geography with the rest of the United States. Absolutely. I'm just imagining Angel walking across the street and riding the roller coasters on the pier. <laughs> just for fun. For kicks. Um, so we, we open in Angel's room. He is brooding. And Gru comes up to him and says he, he has something really important to, to talk about. And it's that he doesn't think pomegranate mist is the right color for this room. How dare you, Gru? He, his suggestion is sunburst splendor, which is an orange color, or perhaps the color purpla. Because <laughs> he can't say purple. He doesn't know it. I guess they don't have purple in... Uh, Pylea? <laughs> Pylea, good lord. 
<laughs> Good job, Morgan. You're a professional. Uh, yeah, I guess they don't have purple in Pylea, which is why it's such an awful place to be. <laughs> it's probably also why Lorne wears a lot of purple. That's, a, that's part of his rebellion, too. <laughs> an um, act of rebellion. <laughs> Angel gives him crap for not knowing how to pronounce purple, but knowing how to pronounce pomegranate. It's where we learn that Gru's mother's name was pomegranate. And that's beautiful. He says it so gently. He's like, that was my mother's name. And I'm like, how could anyone ever, anyone ever not love this boy? Also, Angel, don't give him crap about purple. Like, purple is one of your colors. You look good in purple, man. Shut up. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, get over yourself. So, But I do love it's that, like, friends, like, we were just thinking. Well, actually, I was thinking and Gru agreed because Gru is a himbo. <laughs> Uh, but then Cordelia does add, like, Gru actually has really good color sense, so you should listen to him. And I'm like, see, this is why this has worked for so long, even though there are fundamental problems in this relationship. It's because I do think they are, uh, they have a foundation of good friendship. Uh, and you can bond a lot over color sense. Uh, the pomegranate line, I do have in my notes, um... Uh, that was his mother's name, which is extremely sweet in all caps, Kristen. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> are you are you already inquiring admittance to my corner? how my notes work where I call you out even yeah. in my notes I will say I will say this like when I when when I have a strong feeling I have a strong feeling I go all the way there I agree with you I think that this is a very sweet episode for Gru and I also do not feel as much animosity towards Gru as I did in the beginning and I think it's because of his consistency but he's kind of part of the gang in this episode you know mm -hmm. and like I I am here to say you are correct. <gasps> Gru is a himbo that I can be on board with as, yes. of, as of season three, episode 19 of Angel. <laughs> Siri, play Vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, what a hot, what a hot, spicy corner from me. Uh, please, Ooh. please go on, go on your merry way. Enjoy talking about the, these fucking slugs. Also, before I go, Latoya, uh, just a great reference point with Afterlife because I was thinking, of course, of the same that like these are both universes saying there is a price. <laughs> Guys, I mean, it's it? the the exact same term, and I'm going to talk about that in this episode. So fantastic! Bye. I can't wait. I'm here. I'm here listening. I. Get a front row seat. I get to watch the live show. So <laughs> uh, thank yeah, you for we... coming to my corner. Uh, me and Gru are going to hang out here for the rest of the episode. Oh my God, We're just going to like state? cuddle, you know? <laughs> you I'm going to be, I'm going to big spoon Gru. He's going to baby spoon. Aww. Yeah, he's going to be my baby spoon. <laughs> oh, um, that makes which me actually happy. also reminds me, uh, Morgan, have you listened to the latest episode of Buffering? 
I have not yet, but I was told uh, by one Jenny uh, that I uh, influenced a little bit of the song. So I was really stoked. Um, Jenny has released two songs today, one of which I influenced and the other one that's about like, uh, like wanting like your, your girl, your girl that you're into and your, his the guy not pleasing her. And I was like, this is infinitely probably like the less cool, sexy song to have influenced. (laughs) But I appreciate it anyway. Well, I was, I was, we'll talk more about it, but I wanted to note it because it was just like Ira calling Buffy a bitch many, many times during the episode. And it's so funny. Okay, Ira, come on, Angel on Top. We also uh, start shit with Buffy. <laughs> what is he? He's like said, she'll come to LA and just be a bitch to everyone. And I'm like, yes. yes. That is what she does when she comes to LA. <laughs> she doesn't come to LA to be nice. No. <laughs> But to be fair, neither did I. So, <laughs> wow. Came here to be nice. Came here to be number one. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I- I'm gonna b- I'm gonna bow out and let you continue being uh, number one and number one, both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Just like Bones. Yeah. Uh, yes, um, Angel is refusing to let them, you know, toss anything, despite the fact uh, this is the charred remains of his bedroom or change any colors. He just wants it all back to the way it was or as close to it, you know, yeah. no baby Connor. So it's not completely. And Corey's yeah. like, that is not going to happen. And before we can really get into that, Angel is uh, sidetracked by a snow globe that he bought for Connor and he's like I don't know why I even bought this I thought he'd like to look at it it never snows in Southern California to which Cordy replies it did once and I'm like she's talking about a mess hell yes a mens, bitch am I a righteous man yes yes you are is that your favorite line in the history of Buffy you do quote that line a lot Morgan it's because it's never not good to quote um because it's so iconic um them walking through the snow gotta be like as someone who also grew up in a place where it never snows and it snowed one time and it was a huge deal um that episode uh remains very important in my life it the snowing uh the one time it snowed in Scottsdale Arizona short-circuited people so much that the yearbook page um we had a yearbook page entirely dedicated to the one afternoon it snowed and it no one spell checked it because it was like one day it snow and i was (laughs) like (laughs) truly like full meme speak I have to find it and take pictures of it and send it to everyone because it um, it's near and dear to my heart because that is <laughs> it's as if no Arizonan could handle the fact that it snowed once. I mean, one day it snow, Morgan. <laughs> one day it snow. So one day it snow in Sunnydale, and that was because Angel's a nice boy. Um, so Angel's like, hey, what? well, why don't we get to work? Like, why are we working in my room when we could be doing our jobs? And Fred's like, because we have no cases. <laughs> and then again, I remind everyone, it took them 12 episodes this season to get a paid case. And then it just came raining in, obviously. Mm-hmm. And in that one episode, they're still not having paid cases. 
And like to get that money, Angel had to be like a full on money monster. So it's hard to get paid doing this is I think what we're learning. Angel's deciding uh, denial is uh, the way to go. Mm-hmm. Anyways, down in the lobby, uh, we have a customer come in. Uh, the lobby is empty. He is surprised to see the pentagram that is still there. Oops. And he's like ringing the door, ringing, you know, he doesn't ring the bell. That was something that bothered me because he keeps calling out like, hello, is anyone there? And I'm like, there's a little bell. That's what the little bell is for on the desk. But he does not ring the little bell. And he says, all right, I guess, you know, I'll find my dog myself, which when I watched this for the first time with friend of the show, Michael Chasen, and what happened to this man happens, he goes, oh, my God, is anyone ever going to find the dog? And I had to stop the episode and, like, curl up in a ball and be like, it's not real. It's not a real show. There's no dog that's in danger. It's fine. Oh, my God. The dog should have showed up at Wes's door at the end of the episode. So he needs it. A little dog sidekick for Wes. I would love that. He does need that little emotional support animal. So then um, a spooky clear slug shows up and uh, jumps on his face and into his mouth. Whoops. According to the script, uh, these slugs are called slucks. So, you know, slug with a K. <laughs> I don't want to call it that. It sounds like a slur to me. I'm just going to call it a slug. Yeah, let's yeah, let's just call them clear slugs. Yeah, they they yeah, this so the slug jumps. Yeah, I don't care for that. Ew. That's I not don't like it. That word has terrible mouth feel. <laughs> <laughs> just looking at it makes me angry. Um, so Angel sees the guy and is like, Hey, like I'm Angel, like how can I help you? And the guy's just like, We have to go and leaves. Well, uh we should also note because and this will get into something that kind of upsets, not upsets, but frustrates me about the episode. So Angel obviously is giddy to have a distraction. He's also still holding the snow globe. Uh, the snow globe is very much Chekhov's snow globe. And I remember like what happens with Fred and the snow globe. I kind of don't like that there is no follow up from Angel because that's like his last piece of his son. And we don't get any of that. It seems like considering how much directorial focus there is on the snow globe. Mm -hmm. The fact that there's no follow-up on Angel's behalf for that makes no sense to me. I think I think you're right. That makes a lot of sense. Like, it, it is just, it exists to be a plot device. And that is something that usually the show is a little, like, is it's, a little better about following up on and closing the loop on. So that's Because it's like Angel and the glass of blood, like, in the season. That, mm -hmm. There was, like, a follow-up to that, obviously. Yeah. So I guess the thing is, like, it doesn't matter because the end of the episode happens so i guess he doesn't need the snow globe anymore our next scene's in the lobby cordy is kind of asking about the dark magic that angel did the voodoo that he do did um and she's like you know what about a big cosmic price especially because the one person who might be able to help us isn't with us anymore uh angel does not like wes even being referenced obliquely um, he gets really angry and starts kind of explaining himself, and then it just makes him sad. Mm -hmm. And Cordy... You would think that Wesley went over to UPN, the way they refused to say his name. <laughs> True, yeah, the W word. Um, <laughs> and Cordy says, well, why didn't you call me? And Angel says, I didn't want to mess up your vacation. I figured that one of us should be happy. Oof. 
the way he just like sees himself as this big anchor around her makes me so sad. <laughs> Cordy does not like that. She's like, well, I could have helped. And then she gets really like angry and then upset. And both of them are like, I guess we both need to vent about this. I do like that um, Angel notes like, the fact that he did the spell and everything, he was still actually drunk off Connor's blood. That's like part of the reason he wasn't thinking clearly. That's part of the reason he tried to kill Wesley. Like that's why he went that far. It wasn't just his normal grief. It's like he was also just fucked up. Yeah, he was kind of a version of himself that he can't fully recognize. And like, you know, he's it's still him, but it's like he was under the influence of something. Not only like, immense grief and horror but like you know blood uh i I do think that's really important to acknowledge and i like that so angel says to cordy i'm just trying to move on like you said and i just wanted to note that i think this is really smart writing um something like uh having your having a son and then having that son taken away into a weird scary hell dimension is the kind of thing that you're like well why doesn't he just like sit in a room by himself for like a year you know like why why is he not like immobile on the floor with grief is an easy question i think that you can ask and i think it's really important that they not minimize the pain and the hurt and the sadness and the anger that they're both feeling, but rather they talk about it and they create an in-story reason to focus on, you know, the premise of the show. Because as much as beautiful as the Angel and Cordelia stuff is in Double or Nothing, it's not really standard Angel fare. It's not really like what the show looks like all the time. And this is, I think, like a way to get back on course that does not betray or sell out any of these characters. And that's something that I think um, is, isn't always easy to do and isn't always done. And I just wanted to note that I thought it was like really great and really true to all of them while also being smart for the show. Because as much as I love those scenes, I can't watch them be sad in a room together every week or I'll cry and cry and cry and nothing will get done. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because this is a, this whole story really is kind of one of those things where you could just imagine the writers being like, OK, so how to w- do we move past this? How do we move past Angel losing his son to a hell dimension? How do we move past Angel's grief and Cordelia's grief for not being there for him? How do we do these things? How do we not write Wesley off the show? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a big question, too, because I can I, I imagine a world another world where like Wesley is written off the show because of the storyline. Absolutely. Like they wrote themselves into like a tough corner, which is a compliment because they work their way out of it really wonderfully. And I think, I think a lot about how they talk about the, the writer's room for like breaking bad and better call Saul is that they're constantly like putting themselves in impossible situations that they have to work out of. I think like that's, like the best and most exciting kind of drama is this kind of thing. So it's high risk, but also really high reward. And I think the show does a really great job with it, despite me not necessarily like loving and being over the moon about this episode. I think that this element of it is handled really, really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Cordy essentially says, okay, well fucking call me next time. (laughs) Uh, And that's deeply valid. And Angel's like, of course I will. But in the meantime, I need a case. Like, I need to just think about something else. Um, and, well, he's about to about to get it. Um, <laughs> over at Jamba Juice, 
Apparently there's a job to choose across the street from Angel Investigations. Give me a razzmatazz. I'm Charles Gunn. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he's always saying. Uh, No one else finds this funny, but we do. I like this a lot. Um, so the customer that we saw the, uh, get, get all slugged up is there and he is very thirsty and he continues to refer to himself as we then over at Wolfram and Hart, there is a very fun, uh, little cut, uh, from him being thirsty to like Lila's face distorted through the water cooler. And I'm like, cause water, cause thirst, I get it. Um, I write in my notes. Lila it is, is in a dope Allie McBeal skirt suit. Isn't she always? She This one, this skirt's like pretty short. I was like, this, like, Callista Flockhart would be proud. She's so fucking cool. And the opposite of cool is Gavin, who is back, who's congratulating her for Angel trying to kill one of his people. He is late on that one. And Lila's like, <laughs> you are late on that one. It's so funny. Yeah, she's like, maybe you'll like find out about fire next. Uh, Gavin is so condescending about being like, I'm trying to pay you a compliment. Nothing is grosser than a man wanting a cookie. Period. End of sentence. But like, I mean, for like complimenting you like an asshole. I used to work with a guy who would do a lot of those kinds of compliments like, oh, you actually did a really good job on this or like i think that's actually pretty smart and like he was a nice person and i would be like well you're actually a piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) the patriarchy Gavin, Gavin. He says, in any case, Angel tried to kill, kill a human, bringing him one step closer to his dark side, one step closer to us. And then, like, this always gets me. Mm-hmm. Does Wolfram Hart not get how Angel becomes Angelus? They don't seem to get it. They seem to think that torture is the, the key instead of the whole, you catch more flies with honey. Because, you know, the moment of true happiness thing. At least Darla knew. And, like, that's why she, like, fucked him. Yeah. And hoped that would help. But, like, they really think just making him really sad is going to help. I'm imagining myself as the one lawyer at Wolfram and Hart who's trying to do the positive approach, who every day is sending Angel like a different gift basket or like flyers <laughs> for like classes to get into new hobbies and things that will be like emotionally fulfilling for him. Um, like it's like Angel really just needs to get into kayaking and then he'll be truly fulfilled. <laughs> honestly if they just let him be a parrot that would have triggered it yeah <laughs> you doofuses me at every meeting being like yeah so i sent angel um an edible arrangement and um a flyer to so he can like learn japanese at the learning annex i think he'll really <laughs> love it and everyone's like shut up morgan um but that's <laughs> so very close to my real life <laughs> But uh, Lila points out, she's like, okay, yeah, he smothered one guy with a pillow. Remember when he killed a wine cellar full of lawyers? And I write in my notes, progress is not a straight line, Lila. Gavin tries to shame her for losing the baby. And Lila's like, okay, uh, let's please remember that under my watch, Angel tried to kill Wes 
kidnapped Linwood and threatened to torture him and did a bunch of dark magic. And this is where I note that I guess her questionable be- questionable behavior last week like could be seen as doing the big greater mission of encouraging Angel's dark side and that she was doing all of that stuff and I'm like if I were Lila that is what I would say in all of my paperwork. <laughs> What they should have done, what they should do, mm-hmm. is just nonstop roofie angel like Rebecca does in Eternity. There we but go. But just keep it going. So mm-hmm. at least he's not, he's faux jealous, as we know from there, mm-hmm. but it works. It's something. It, it, it's a better plan than anything Gavin has to say. Just to be clear, I don't support roofying people. <laughs> I feel like I need to say this because you know. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying there is an established canonical approach they could attempt to take. You are suggesting an idea for the bad guys, not a good thing that you think should happen and wish did. (laughs) Yeah. Just to be clear. So our next scene takes place in the lobby. Um, Fred and Gunn are peeking in on Angel, who is sitting at the desk in the office, looking sadly at the snow globe. Yeah, the scene literally opens with a close-up on the snow globe. Yeah. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're like, by the way, this snow globe, huh? And I'm like, hmm, wonder if anything will come of this uh, pesky snow globe. So Fred is wondering, like, if there's any way to move forward with Angel and Wes. Like, she's like, maybe not forgiveness, but at least, like, acknowledgement or something. And Gunn's like, no. Um, maybe if he brings the baby back, but even then, Angel will probably kill him on principle. Ouch. And I'm like, you guys know, like, Angel can hear all of this, right? (laughs) No, he's too busy, all-consumingly looking at the snow globe. Yeah, it's interesting, because Fred's like, it's weird seeing Angel sitting at the desk, and God's like, well, this is what I'm used to, actually, so Mm -hmm. this is, yeah, back to normal for me. But yeah, Angel is ba- like officially back in charge of Angel Investigations because Wesley fucked up more than Angel did. <laughs> we didn't. D- they said it couldn't be done. <laughs> Wesley buys Cordelia new clothes. <laughs> see, <laughs> see if that works. Buys Angel new clothes, even. <laughs> Imagining Angel with his bags full of silk shirts being like, all's <laughs> forgiven, Wes. <laughs> I'm in. Um, We pan over to Cordy and Gru, who are working on scrubbing the pentagram away, but it just doesn't seem to be happening. So Cordy's like, I want to buy a big rug and cover it up. Who's with me? To which Gru replies, that honor is mine, princess. I drew so many hearts around this. Then Fred tries to pull Cordy aside, but Cordy is busy mooning over Gru to Fred and says... He's such a sweetie. So loyal and loving like a puppy dog. Cordy, I know that didn't sound very good, but he is a puppy dog. A sexy, well-built, go-all-night puppy dog. Go-all-night, huh? <laughs> he, he makes, like, a dick joke later in the episode. He does. So if, if it wasn't clear, the Grusalog fucks. <laughs> and we love He's him. He's packing. Hell yeah. Good for him. And good for Cordy. Yeah, my notes say old girl really did need to get to light. Truly. <laughs> Again, how can we how can we say bad things about this relationship when Cordy finally got to get some? Very important. <laughs> very lovely. You love to see it. So Cordy pretty much like sees where Fred is going and is like, no, 
I'm not going to talk to Angel about Wes because she knows it won't work. And she's like, yeah, I don't care if Wes is hurting because Angel's feelings are the only ones I care about. So Gru hears that. And he's sad. He may not know how to pronounce purple, but he knows how to walk in at the absolute wrong time and hear things out of context. Yeah, it's like such a bummer. And Cordy does not notice this from Gru, possibly because she's distracted by a vision of Angel being thrown across the room. But uh, before we can really even get into any of this, Lauren shows up in a hat and a trench coat. And he says oh, there's yeah. a brouhaha at the juice bar. Uh, I do have a like. How do you feel about Fred asking Cordy? Can you imagine how much pain Wesley's in? How horrible he must be feeling? Like, what about Angel? What about the pain Angel's in and how he's feeling? I I assume the idea is like obviously we're all caring for and acknowledging Angel's pain, but Wes is alone without any of us. And and I think it's the idea of being like you're his like closer friend. Like you've known him for longer. Like. Don't you like don't aren't you worried about him or like has it not occurred to you to worry about him because you're so busy worrying about Angel? Like I thought it came more from a place like that, but, but fair. Yeah, I, I like Wesley did a thing where he knew he could never see them ever again anyway, even if it succeeded. Mm-hmm. Like that was going to be the outcome regardless. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming, I mean, it's it's Wes. Maybe he was like, maybe he'll be really, I mean, given Angel being constantly like, you might have to kill me one day, um, every other second, uh, maybe Wes was like, he'll probably love that I did this. <laughs> then over at the juice bar, Cordy's warning Angel about her vision, but he's like, we're kind of busy here. Uh, we see. I love the employee who runs out and says, dude's got a bowler or something. <laughs> I love the guy who's like, sir, you had so many juices and all this stuff. That actor. Thank you. This is acting we are getting in this scene. I loved it. So Angel recognizes the client, Mr. Spivey, who is chugging blenders of juice and smoothies and and keeps being like, we're thirsty. (laughs) Weird. Uh, I mean, I feel like that's something you loved every time someone said more thirsty. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was so goofy. I was like, hell yeah, spooky, creepy, thirsty guys. Um, Angel knocks the guy out and he's like excited to have a case. And meanwhile, this guy is so dehydrated that his skin is cracking and looking he's all He's literally dusty. cracking up. As Lauren <laughs> said, he was cracking up. He's literally cracking up. We love to see it. So then in the lobby, we're bringing him back. Angel is kind of making a, he's like, he's noticed the we thing repeatedly. Cordy keeps wanting to talk about the vision. He's like, you're in danger. And Angel's like, come on, let's focus on other people's problems for a change. Like he's really trying to be in denial so he can keep his mind off the Connor stuff. Um, He's like, this isn't about me. And then, (laughs) of course. (laughs) <laughs> the guy stands up and points at Angel and goes, you, this is all because of you. It's all your fault. And then he topples to the ground and turns to dust. And I was thrilled. <laughs> right onto the pentagram. In case you're wondering, how is this all Angel's fault? <laughs> 
Um, so then, uh, we see the, the clear, like, slug come out of him and, and skitter away. And, um, a, a great season for the word skitter. Um, and this is where Gru's like, oh, this looks like these, like, glass eels that were back on Pylea. And nobody finds that helpful. And I'm like, that is helpful. It worked the one time when there was a demon that reminded him of something about Pylea, but he didn't seem to have any answer for how to um, stop them. So I guess it didn't matter. Yeah, I guess not that helpful. So Angel's like, how is this my fault? And Cordy points out where he fell. <laughs> and we um, like time cut to the lobby a little later. They've locked down the hotel to prevent the spread of the, you know, slug parasitic infection. And they're passing out weapons. This is where the dick joke happens. <laughs> Yeah. Where Angel's like sees the big huge battle axe Gru's taking and is like a little big, isn't it? And Gru's like, I haven't had any complaints. <laughs> that was like fair enough. Gru is like never petty about like the Angel and Cordy thing, and this is barely doing it, so go off. Good for you. Vent a little. It's allowed. <laughs> Fred has to be on the books, but she has no idea where to look. But before uh, she's on the book, she's vacuuming up the guy's remains with a tiny <laughs> hand vac. That is disgusting. That is disrespectful. <laughs> so Angel's like, yeah, Fred, you got to be on the books. And she's like, oh, well, I don't know where to start. And he tells her thermogenesis. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I don't know what that is. And he's like, creatures manifested as a byproduct of using dark magic. It's like, maybe Angel, you should be the one on the books. Um, obviously, uh, Buffy just had that in season six with Afterlife. Mm -hmm. They use the term and everything. And then the guess, my guess is that she must have told Angel when they had their meetup on the CW, which mm -hmm. is what I called the in-between of UPN and the WB Adorable. off screen. Love it. <laughs> yes. Um, and also, like, our biggest example besides Afterlife is Superstar with the demon that came as a result of Jonathan's spell to make him a superstar. <sighs> Jonathan. What a cool guy. <laughs> I mean, not right now in season six of Buffy. No, but in that episode, <laughs> were I in the universe of Superstar... I'd really like Jonathan. Uh, so, yeah, Gunn's going to stick with Fred and keep her safe, and everyone else has to go off hunting. So uh, when we start with Angel and Lorne, they're, like, walking down the hall, and Angel, like, doesn't want to hear it about the spell, even though Lorne is very much in I told you so mode. Uh, and he's like, I don't care. It was for my son. Even though it didn't work, I'd do it again because it was for him. I was like, hope Michelson wishes. Yeah, truly. Menace. <laughs> um yeah angel not a menace unlike oh michael angel surprisingly not a menace mm -hmm. he has so many like chances to be a menace so they go into this uh in, into a room that is also pomegranate mist painted uh and they go they find like the bathroom door ajar so they go in there and the slug not unlike a puppy is drinking from the toilet See, what Dahlia used to do, because she loves her water, she would go into the bathtub <gasps> and she would try to drink the water from the, the, the faucet. Oh, Because that's like when we first got her, because I'm sure, I imagine she probably didn't get water often. So she like wanted to get water wherever she could get it. And yeah. Oh, Dahlia. Love Dahlia. The best pup. Dahlia. It's unnecessary for any of this, but Dahlia's the best and I want to share that. Dahlia's the best. Yeah, don't cut this. Uh, the world has to know. Um, Dahlia's the best. Also Chewy. Can't also forget Chewy. about Chewy. Yeah. Dahlia Chewy type for the best. So Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. 
If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. So, yeah, so Angel, like, is able to, like, pin the thing to the floor with a dagger, and it seems like it's stuck for a second, and then the little slug skitters away. Yeah, this is where I use skitters in my my notes. And it's cool. It's what I was saying about, like, the horror stuff, because, like, there's the tension when they're about to open the door, and then you just see, like, the debris from, like, the the lid of the toilet first. Like, that's the first thing you see. You're like, oh, it's probably just, like, a messy area Mm -hmm. in the hotel, because that's what it is. And then you see the slug slurping (laughs) out of the lid and like holy shit i think the other thing about this episode is that the slugs look cool until the lights are off because then you have to like really focus on the effect and then that's it's really goofy like when the lights are on it just it looks much better the idea that they're like a little hard to see like with the lights being on and like you kind of are mostly seeing through them and it's mostly like a shape and a movement is really like disconcerting so yeah when they become kind of just like glow worms later it's less scary or like weird little glow lobsters like it's it's just not quite as as upsetting but globsters globs yeah if you will and I will. Uh, so then in the office, we have Fred and Gunn. Fred is struggling. She has to look up like so many words in this book and like another dictionary. So it's taking her forever. She says, I mean, ask me to research stuff on wave particle dualities or the Schrodinger equation. And I'm a hellcat. But this angel is just going to have to realize that I'm just not as qualified for this as some people. Yeah, well, some people aren't around anymore. So you're just going to have to learn to get good at it. What if I fail? 
if I can't find anything to help us. We'll manage. Not saying I don't prefer something I can punch. Something that doesn't make that sick little squishy crunchy noise when you kill it. But I think we can handle one little slug from hell. Yeah, maybe you guys could handle one little slug from hell. <laughs> what In my notes I write, what about two, babe? What about three? <laughs> um, but yeah, Fred is acknowledging what we've been saying all season is that, yeah, she can like research the science of this stuff, but like she and Wes have very different expertises and like Angel just sees brainy one and figures they can do it all. Yeah, it's 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 very silly. It's it, like, I, like I, I get it. And it's like Fred could learn, but also like. Wes went to school for this. She needs to call Giles now and start like some kind of correspondence course with him. That is yeah. what is needed. And I would love that. Would love long um, Giles Fred phone calls where he's giving yeah, her homework. Like, Giles is like, Willow's not my daughter anymore. Fred's my new daughter. Hell yes. <laughs> Willow, your daughter uh, privileges are revoked. <laughs> But yeah, Fred asks, uh, you know, what if I fail? And this is where I was thinking because uh, I listened to Buffering episode Entropy because I, I need to know my enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I can't and Jenny, stomach that. <laughs> Kristen and Jenny and Ira, you know, they were talking about um, how Xander still like lacks training after all of these years as a Slayerette. Whereas like, I was thinking like how the Angel Investigations crew is a team of highly specialized qualified do-gooders like even pre-visions cordelia was like her purpose was as angel's connection to the outside human world Mm -hmm. and like we even see this season cordy seeking training from angel Mm -hmm. to get better in a way xander and even willow never never have like yeah and it's the way buffy plays it is that you know xander's humanity is his strength or whatever but like as opposed to someone like anya who has plenty of expertise in this world and they always they never treat her take her seriously. They're like, "Oh, Anya, shut up." <laughs> That's How what they're dare like. they? Um, oh, Anya, you're weird. It's like, well, yeah, she's weird, but she has like thousands of years of knowledge that you guys could probably use and never actually try to use. Yeah, uh, very silly to to discount Anya. Um, That's and, my girl, so don't. <laughs> yeah, but also like in terms of like replacing Wes for like the research and stuff like that, knowledge of demon languages. Angel would actually be the better choice for the job anyway. I know, like, he has to be the champion, mm-hmm. but he already has a leg up on that stuff. Yeah. Just from being a vampire who's lived for hundreds of years. I, I fully agree. And in talking about the idea that they're, like, they're all professionals really at the top of their, like, games and skills, um, it's interesting that the idea is, like, Gun, when Fred is, like, appealing to him and like needs his emotional support takes his eye off the ball and misses the two slugs that show up and it is interesting to think about the idea that like being a good boyfriend and a good partner is at odds with doing this job it's something that's really sad you know i don't want that for for gun and fred for like them to oftentimes have to be like second to each other to this cause and this purpose but i I do think that's not a not a mistake and not an accident like that is very purposeful that like in helping her deal with this this problem which like that's another way that like the vacuum 
like that Wes has created is affecting the group at large because, you know, Fred can't do this by herself and like needs emotional support. And that's valid. But um, by providing that for her gun misses something pretty big. The slugs come popping out of the, the sparky portal. <laughs> Don't you hate it when? <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess does suggest like immediately it's a court talk thing because of the sparks from what, you know, from when uh, Holt pushed Justine and ran with the baby. <sighs> Remember when he pushed her? <laughs> Didn't have to push her. <laughs> she could have come with. <laughs> she arguably would have wanted to. <laughs> Daniel! Daniel! <laughs> it's never not funny. Like, that scene itself is not funny. It's horrifying. Yeah. But the Justine of it all. Like many things, Justine is not always working quite in tandem with the purpose of every scene that she's in. <laughs> Sometimes she is a bit at odds. <laughs> um, but our, our next scenes at Wolfram and Hart, we're in Lila's office. She gets a confidential email. I know it was a confidential email because across her screen in flashing letters, it says confidential email. And how does she unlock this confidential email? Well, how would one unlock any confidential email? (laughs) Naturally, she opens a hidden door in the um, like behind her desk. She takes out a mini safe. She punches in the combination. Then she takes out a wooden box that is intricate detailing on it that is inside that small safe, opens it up to reveal a tarantula that then goes on the little side keyboard. I guess she hit numlock and uh, <laughs> puts in the password. Watching it, I was like, I, I guess she has number lock on. She's one of those people. Can we call it the tarantula keyboard from now on? Can that just be like <laughs> what yes. we call that piece of the keyboard? Okay. The Thank tarantula you. Keyboard. The tarantula, tarantula keyboard. keyboard. Yeah. Okay. Back when I was a cashier at Best Buy, I got really good on the tarantula keyboard. <laughs> That was my high school job. Uh, and yeah, so tarantula types in the pin and uh, in big red letters in the email is thermogenesis. <laughs> then Gavin comes in and he's like, hey, you get that email? And she's like, the secret one that I had to get a spider to unlock? Yeah. He might as well have just been like, yeah, I have a Trojan on your computer. Whatever. <laughs> Um, and he's like, yeah, so it's like the consequences of the spell that we did. Um, Lila gets on his case for w- saying, why are you uh, waxing my desk with your ass? I write, Gavin, <laughs> does Wolfram and Hart have HR? Because you should go. <laughs> every, after every Gavin scene, goes to HR. Look, would I love Lila to comment on my ass? Yes. But in the workplace... I don't know if that's necessary. Well, that is because you are the Wolfram Hart lawyer that everyone hates because you're too nice. Shut up, Morgan. Get your ass out of here. You're like the daughter of one of the senior partners, and that's the only reason they don't fire so you. So what we're pitching for me is that I'm Meg Stalter in Hacks, but for yes, Wolfram Hart. Yes, you are Kayla. Yeah. And I'm like, girly, we've got to make Angel happy. Watch Hacks on HBO Max. Please watch Hacks on HBO Max. <laughs> So uh, Gavin points out, like, I don't think the senior partners are, uh, like, gonna be uh, happy with you if Angel dies from the fallout of a spell you helped him cast. Oh, Gavin. And, you know, Linwood's on vacation. He's unreachable. Mm -hmm. Where's Linwood vacationing? 
Of course, we have to think about yeah. this. Hmm. Like, where does Fiji? Fiji. Ooh, yes. Uh, so our our next scene's in the Hyperion hallway. We're with Cordy and Gru. Gru brings up the whole like Angel being her priority thing, and Cordy's like, "Oh, oh, he's my work priority. You're my other stuff priority." Y'all just had an emotional bottle episode last week. Great compliment, Cord. <laughs> Like, honey, no, 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 no. Not a way to make your partner feel valued. Not good. Um, Luckily, they're interrupted by a slug or else, you know, things probably would have gotten even worse. Um, And uh, like Gru's like, don't move. And uh, she moves to try to save her own life. And he chastises her. And she's like, excuse the fuck out of me. Trying to not die. it's interesting the way it's directed because, like, they, uh, in the script, nothing has changed from the script, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but, like, the way it's directed, I feel like it kind of rushes past the, the clear issue that they have. Or, uh, that, that it's like, obviously, there are red flags. We've been talking about mm-hmm. this. But I don't think the episode itself lets it breathe because, you know, she's like, well, geez, forgive me for saving my own life, obviously. And then Gru said, I would not have let harm come to you, like, as they're going to the door. And it's very quick when she says it, you, like, the script you can note it more it's like that's not the like she's about to say like that's not the point like there's about to be an argument about the, the, that fact right there mm-hmm. which is like very quickly in the episode stopped by them running into angel and and lauren but like reading it on the page you're like oh the cracks the cracks are there yeah i think i i would like to see more of that and more of like more of cordelia like struggling with why she wants this so bad even though there are clearly problems with it. And I mean, it's assuming it's because he's a very loyal puppy dog that can go all night. But it, you know, I, I wonder why she, I, I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about why we think she's like choosing this kind of safer, less complicated thing that's wrong for her because Angel, being with Angel is way too scary. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like, especially reading the script, you can like see that the moment is it's Cordy clearly wanting to be her own champion versus Gru not uh, quite understanding why she doesn't want him to be her champion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He just like, like, yeah, to him, it's like an act of service and an act of love to save her. And for her, it's like, no, I need you to instead respect, respect me and empower me to do my own thing, which is what Angel did teaching her how to fight. Yeah. So then uh, uh, the whole gang meets up and they're all like, we saw it. And they're like, how did you see it? We saw it. So then in the lobby, they are all together. They realize that there is more than one. And because they glow in the dark, the plan is to turn all the lights off. <laughs> Good God. I think they might as well just burn down the Hyperion. <laughs> so Fred has to lock herself in the office with books and a lantern this is where I was like, I bet she wishes she went back home to Texas now. Yeah, uh, and Angel and Gunnar are going to go shut off the power. So they go down to the basement. It's so funny how cowardly they all are, where they're all hanging out I on mean, the stairs while Gun goes and shuts off the lights. Well, it's it's very, because Gun is just like terrified this whole episode. <laughs> it's so funny because Angel's like, yeah, you're going to go turn off the power. So you think it's just going to be Gun alone. But no, they have to, if, if Gun's doing this, they have to all go with him. Such little Scooby-Doo energy. They're such goofs. I love them so much. I know we've just spent all this time saying they're professionals at the top of their field. But all of them are huddled together on the stairs being like, Gun, will you hit the light switch? (laughs) 
Meowak Gun's like turning off the lights and running like he's me <laughs> turning off my bedroom light when I was seven years old and it's scared of the dark. <laughs> Little Morgan. Yeah, she was small. <laughs> so yeah, this is so silly. In the office, Fred is alone and working. And of course, one of the glass slugs is on the wall and it hops in her mouth. <laughs> No, thank you. And immediately, because the lights are off, like, the, the slug effects look so much worse mm-hmm. now. Yeah, they're just kind of, like, blue and, yeah, it's just, they just look like little blue lobsters. I don't, it's not scary. Uh, so then. It's, uh, it's, this episode rules for the fact that we get more of the Hyperion, which is huge. I love that. Uh, I know the kitchen, at least, was at the Ambassador Hotel before it was demolished, but I don't know if, like, I don't know where exactly they shoot, like, you know, all the extra rooms and hallways that we like, because mm-hmm. they do that a lot. I don't think those are sets. Mm-hmm. It always looks really cool and helps, like, add dimension to I think they do show it the right amount that you believe it's there. It doesn't, you don't feel trapped on the sets that are clearly on their stages, which I think is smart mm-hmm. and good. Um, so they go to the South Wing Hall, which is usually shut up. They have a, a damn South Wing. And there's a bunch of screeching bird sounds that I guess the uh, slugs are making. Uh, so they're behind this one door and they're approaching that. Then in the office, Gun checks in on Fred and Fred says she's scared. Hmm. Oh, wait. Sorry. I want to go back real quick to the, the door because uh, we didn't talk about Angel kicking down the door, oh, yeah. which is something we know he loves uh, as the, the commercials for TNT's primetime in the daytime would always remind us. And the little eyebrow wiggle he gives Cordelia after doing that um, is hot. God, look, it's not all bad. He is. Yeah, th- he really does need this case to take his mind off things so we can have a little fun. So I'm glad he got to kick down that door. Good for you, buddy. Um, Yeah, so then in the office, Gunn checks in on Fred. Fred says she's scared, and Gunn tries to comfort her, and he says, after all of this is over, I think we should take a vacation, like uh, Gru and Cordy got to do. Like, we should go to Baja. I want that for them. (laughs) But unfortunately, the, the vibes are immediately fucked because... Fred drinks the snow globe. <laughs> yeah, she's like, we have to get out of here. And he's like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then she breaks the snow globe with her hands mm. and does a slurp. And she's like, we're thirsty. And I love actually the touch of like the blood on her yes. lip from like drinking out of shattered glass. Yeah, that she's like doesn't care if she causes herself pain. The like compulsion to drink is so strong. Our, our next scene, so I guess the the door that Angel broke down led to this, like, big abandoned ballroom, which looks awesome. And you know who thinks that? Lorne. <laughs> yeah, and hey, don't, don't give Lorne shit for thinking it's cool. He has no bar because of you people. <laughs> Multiple times. Terrible, terrible. Like, fully, like... Like sweet D in her car with the gang, and it's always sunny. Like that's the amount of times his bar has been destroyed, and nobody has set a precedent for trying to help or fix it. They thought they helped one time, and they were like, "You get our help once." No, there is a real shut up bird energy to to this moment. <laughs> Truly, uh, so um, Gun brings in Fred and says she needs help because you know there's a slug in her. And uh, Fred, like, talks to Angel, and she has to work very, very hard to speak for herself. And she says, we can't let it spread. It'll, like, it'll go out there and it'll kill. And she notes, oh, it really doesn't like you. (laughs) And 
Angel's like, okay, well, it's mutual. Like, whatever. This is like being, like, Claudette being like, Angel's my arch nemesis. It's like, what the fuck? Angel's like, I'm a nice guy. (laughs) Different now. Uh, So Gunn is like, cool, let's get her to a hospital. um, Because we don't, and, and I appreciate that he's not just like, because I'm not listening. He's like, we don't know if that's the slug talking. Like, we can't trust whatever she says. Like, I just know that I have to save her. Uh, good, smart. Angel tries to stop Gunn and tells him. How is she going to feel if taking her out of here causes more people to die? She or you? Me. All this is happening because of you. What you did, this is your fault. Messing with scary-ass mojo no sane person should be messing with. I did what I had to do. You do what you want to get what you want. The hell with the consequences. My son is dead. Fred's not. That was way harsh, Ty. But I mean, to be fair, Angel is a virgin who can't drive. (laughs) Angel, like, not a virgin. (laughs) True. Uh, But yeah, this is brutal. Um, I mean, we've just spent last episode establishing how much Gunn cares for Fred and how important she is to him. And it, it, you know, is held up here. He, like, does not give a shit. It's it's about saving her and it's not about like fuck Angel's feelings in terms of me. Like, I'm like, yeah, let's save Fred. I love her. <laughs> this is accurate. But hey, uh, Gru has found out where the sound's coming from. And good news. They have a pool. <laughs> Secret pool underneath the ballroom. What Lauren would have done with the pool under the ball to make this a club, like a clear floor with a swimming pool under it. Like that would have ruled. <laughs> The slugs. The slugs are just chilling in the pool. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. They're all blue and wriggly. And I was like, eh, it's disgusting. Weird. They run to the kitchen. So like the like big industrial size kitchen where they, you know, would make room service. Were this a normal hotel? Uh, Fred is like, I'm too hot. I'm too hot from all the running. So Angel's like, let's turn the ovens on. Let's like, you know, like burn up all the water in the air, get them dehydrated and make sure they won't come in here. And then Fred screams out loud and you think it's because of the pain of the heat, but it's because gun's gone. It does make me think, though, considering what the solution is, the oven thing should work. Yeah. I mean, I think it, but I guess it doesn't kill them. It just like weakens them. Mm hmm. So then uh, then at Wolfram and Hart in Lila's office, she's on the phone giving the orders to the cleanup crew about what to do. Gavin strolls in, quite pleased with himself. And he's like, yeah, I went behind your back and I told Linwood about everything. He's real pissed. And uh, yeah, because he has Linwood's emergency cell phone number. Lila doesn't have that. Uh, Boys club. Boys club. Lila's like, fine, play your little games. I've got to go save my immortal enemy. And I couldn't help but thinking that, like, by that point, like, Lindsay would have punched Gavin in the face. (laughs) Gavin deserves to be punched in the face in this scene. Truly, he does. He's such a little piss baby. He's like, do you really, like, like, I talked to Linwood and, like, he actually wants all of Team Angel to die. And I'm like, can we trust you, you little bitch? (laughs) Yeah, I'm like. I'm trying to figure out what Wolfram and Hart is thinking. Because we, we know the senior partners, they want Angel alive. That's like, that's definitive. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't give a a, a shit what uh, Lila does as long as she keeps Angel alive. Yeah, and they don't like, care if, that he hurt Linwood. Yeah, if Linwood's saying, let him die, like, that makes Linwood expendable. Mm-hmm. 
Like, fuck your feelings, Linwood. Absolutely. Enjoy Fiji. You know we love you, but like, (laughs) yeah, stay in Fiji because nothing good's going to come back. Like, if you're saying, yeah, let him die. Yeah, you better stay in Fiji. So to me, I'm like, I don't know, even know if I believe that Linwood is like, like, like that's, that seems like such a poor move on his part. I'm like, is Gavin lying here? Like, there's no reason for Lila to necessarily trust him. So, like, uh, Gavin says that Lila's going to have to pay for the, like, the ops team out of her own salary, according to Linwood. And I'm like, well, that's just ridiculous. Again, I don't think the senior partners, like, the senior partners are like, yeah, save Angel. Mm-hmm. Do... Someone punch Gavin in the face. Yeah, look, you're hot, but your scheme sucks, dude. <laughs> yeah, if you're not going to fuck Lila, then you need to be punched in the face. Absolutely. Stop waxing the desk with your ass and get out of here. <laughs> um, so we have a quick moment at uh, the door to Wes's apartment. Gun is banging on it. Wes opens it, and Gun says, I need your help. Ooh. Then in the kitchen, Fred is chugging water. Gru says there are too many slugs for them to fight. Angel takes Fred's water and, like, pours it out on the floor to fuck with her. Yeah, and then the Dutch angles start a poppin'. I wrote, okay, Alfred Hitchcock, go off. (laughs) And that's why I'm just like, this episode I wish did go more full tilt in the horror. And it's just like, for whatever reason, it doesn't. Yeah, it's just not It does seem like maybe network notes, and maybe that's why they added the Lila Gavin stuff. Yeah, maybe they were like, what was everyone else doing about this? Like, this feels too, like, isolated, maybe. Maybe there's a cut where, like, the direction is, like, it's so fucking creepy. And WB's like, we can't air this. Especially not after Seventh Heaven. We can't air this. We already scared LaToya so much. It wouldn't be right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, like, he's like, I want to talk to the slug. I want to know what it is. And so Fred, as the slug, says, we're thirsty. We want to live, to drink, to be merry, to get out, to flee. It brings pain. (laughs) So she talks about this bringer of torment. Someone called the Destroyer who's coming after Angel? Doesn't sound so good. Do you think that sounds good, LaToya? It does not. (laughs) Cordelia says, that's not the name you want to hear. And I agree. You hate to see it, says Cordy. The only Destroyer I want to hear about is Nicole Kidman. (laughs) So then in Wes's apartment, uh, Gunn explains what's going on. Wes is looking good. <laughs> oh, are we going to talk about it? We're going to talk about it. The beard, the rasp. I, I have written in my notes bullet points. Beard, raspy voice. Call me. <laughs> the the form-fitting shirt. <sighs> to, to quote WWE Hall of Famer Booker T, you looking real jacked, baby. Yeah. Yeah, he's looking good. It's something about Wes is low as we're like, yes, this is what we like. I just want to know why the next scar isn't on your bulleted list. Is that weird? But that the next scar is actually part of it. The, the scar is later down on my okay. notes. It's here in the all caps okay, section, okay. Kristen. Okay, great. great. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, I, I should I should I should have known. Professionals, of top of your game. Much like Team Angel. <laughs> but we're also scared of the dark, much like Team Angel. So Wes, yes, literally, I do write. Wes looks so hot. Next car and all, unreal. Um, Wes is like, why would you come to me? Like Angel will figure it out eventually, which is true. I bet he would figure it out eventually, but there's not time for that shit. 
Well, no, he says find a way to kill them eventually. And that's not what Gunn wants. Mm -hmm. So Wes is like, I don't know, like, get out of my house. And Gunn's like, it's Fred. Then Wes looks to the side dramatically and we get the long shot of the next scar, which looks so gnarly and hot. I could not live like how dare they? Um, how dare they make him so sad to be this hot? Um, it's not fair to me. I don't want to be sad, but he's so hot. God. It is a real I can change him situation. And I do believe that I can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, Wes, you know, listening to him, goes and, like, grabs a bottle. And Gunn is like, what the fuck? He says... What, we're going to have a drink now? Did you hear what I said? She's dying. I was dying. Throat cut, life pouring out of me. No, why I fought to live again. Wes, I don't have time. I wanted to live. To see my friends again. To explain to the people I loved and trusted. My side of what happened. We know what... You don't know anything. I'll help because it's Fred. But don't come here again any of you yeah because you're watching the scene i'm like okay so is wes feeling sorry for himself since the last time he tried to help mm -hmm. he failed spectacularly or is he just being an ass because gun and his friends haven't you know stuck up for him or checked on him and i was hoping it was the former it's basically the latter and the thing is he's very hot in the scene but he's also a little bitch in this scene absolutely but it's just like I don't know, like, how else is he supposed to feel? Like, I mean, I, I know he should, like, take responsibility for what he did, which, like, I, I think he would if given the opportunity. Like, it's not like we haven't, he's had an over, like, a, an abundance of chances to talk to these people and make amends. But he's just like, I just wanted a chance to say my piece. Like, you've all known me for long enough that I should have been able to at least explain myself to one of you. And I'm like, I I'm, but we were saying yeah. you should have told one of them in the process. 100%. You should have called Cordelia. Like a hundred percent. I'll say our he, like our he shut them out first. Unfortunately. Oh yeah, our our social media in terms of like people in our Facebook group and people on Twitter have been talking about like being really mad at Wes this season, which I I think is really valid. I think they do a good job at showing us all of the forces working. Um, like at work, to keeping him from, you know, saying the right thing. Some intentional from Wolfram and Hart, some from Sajan, and some, like, just out of the whole, like, Fred Gunn love triangle. Like, a lot of, and, and, like, Cordelia's absence, all of these things were working to make what happened happen. And I still think there's no excuse for him not calling Cordelia. Like, we talked about the drawbacks being, like, she could have just, like, told Angel and then it would have been moot. But, she was probably, but like if she told Angel and it was moot, it would probably be the right thing to do. And like Wes should not have been alone with this. And there is a certain amount of ego in that, you know, like not allowing anyone else on the inside of your decision. Like mm -hmm. a certain amount of that, like some of it is like, I don't want to burden anyone with this, the broody like, boy. But some of it is like, mm -hmm. because I'm the decider and I must make mm -hmm. the right decision because I'm burdened with glorious purpose or whatever. And that's bullshit. Yeah, we say Fred should call Giles. Wesley should have called Giles. Wesley should have called Giles so hard. G Giles would have been 
great to talk to about this. He would have totally understood because... Wait, Angel has a child? (laughs) (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Who's Gun? Who's Fred? (laughs) Giles comes back to the States, but it's for Angel's investigations and not Buffy. (laughs) So cute. Comes back for a fellow watcher in need. (laughs) And then Buffy comes to LA to be a bitch. Comes to grab her dad and take him home. You can't have <laughs> what Ira him. was talking about. <laughs> this is Ira was right. Ira, you were right. Where the fuck am I in this scene? I'm so stupid. Um, he he's, he sent uh gun away. Give him the, the vodka. Yeah, so he sends. But don't come here again, any of you, little bitch. Oh, I I want to be alone. This is my choice, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the kitchen at the Hyperion, Fred's skin is starting to crack, which means she's going to disintegrate soon. And we don't like that. So Angel breaks and he's like, fuck it. We're taking her to a hospital. They can keep her hydrated there. And um, I'll distract the slugs. Cordy doesn't want to leave him, though. So as they're all running out, Gru carrying Fred Cordy runs back and stays with Angel and Gru looks after her and watches her do this. And it's just like, you can't lie to yourself anymore. You know, she picked him and it's always going to be him. Oof. Gru deserves the love of a good woman. He's a sweetheart. He's compassionate and he's attentive. And it seems like he's a good listener. Um, it's Ooh, just you know who Gru should be with? Ooh. Anya. Oh my god. Yeah. That's perfect. That's so good. Okay, buddy, Sunnydale is what? Like a do we believe it's a four hour drive? It's an indeterminate length away from Los Angeles. <laughs> but you can get there. I don't think Gru can drive, but he could take a bus. He can figure it out. Figure it out, babe. It'll be worth it. She's so hot. <laughs> And it will really piss off Xander, and that's good. And also, you don't really have to worry too much about Shades of Grey with demons there. Just kill him. Mm, yeah, done. So uh, then in the lobby, uh, Gunn sees Gru carrying Fred, and he says, put my girl down. And I'm like, oh. He feeds Fred, like, the booze. She drinks it. She, like, spits it up at first, but, like, he keeps putting the bottle to her lips. Uh, down in the kitchen, Cordy catches a slug in her hand and can, like, hold on to it. Interesting. Then in the lobby, uh, Fred drinks more, and then she pukes the slug, and Gru kills it. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yay. Dream team. Then in the kitchen, like, we're just watching Cordy hold the slug, and we're like, what the fuck is this? And she begins to glow. Yeah, and uh, just to note that I was not misremembering when I brought up the whole St. Cordelia thing and Devil or Nothing on TV tropes for this episode. It even says the miracle of St. Cordy. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that was a thing people were criticizing about the show at the time. Oh, that's, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's at cost to her. You know, she had to make a bad choice. So, yeah, she then emits this big, huge burst of light that even, like, affects everybody up in the lobby. Angel and Cordy come in, and Angel's like, Cordy did it! (laughs) Aw, he's proud. Fred goes to sleep on the couch. I'm devastated I didn't get uh, Fred, who's drunk an entire bottle of vodka, scene. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was robbed. <laughs> she is tiny. She would just be passed out. She would be. She'd be so silly though. <laughs> uh, Gun and Angel talk around Wes again as Gun kind of explains well, what he did. Angel doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Gun has the whole conversation to finally realize what Angel's point was. Yeah, and there's like a moment in this where it's like, I guess this makes us even. Like we both did like a reckless thing or whatever uh, when someone we love was at risk. And I'm like, going to Wes is very different than making Sajan corporeal, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I suppose he could have accidentally let out one of the slugs. That is, uh, would have been possible. Yeah, I guess. But still, I'm like, not quite equivalent. But <laughs> These are equal. <laughs> uh, Lauren is like, hey, what about that uh, destroyer guy they were talking about? Fair. Fred is like, yeah, he should be here now. So we were talking about CGI for the slugs, Mm -hmm. but here's some real CGI, baby, Mm -hmm. with this demon fake out. What'd you think of the this big men in black ass looking uh, creature? It really does look like it should be in the men in black music video. Mm -hmm. Yes, it looks exactly as good as the effects would have been in the men in black music video. Not not the movie. Yeah, but it's not the only thing that's shown up. Well, it looks like. A PS2 visual, but it, it it doesn't have to be good. It just has to be quick. Mm-hmm. And it is. Its head is cut off essentially immediately by whomst? Television's Vincent Carthizer. What's he doing wrote here? My, wrote in my notes, Legend of Zelda ass. <laughs> um, As we know, Zelda is the boy. Mm-hmm. I write in my notes, portal, monster, Vincent Carthizer with a wrist rocket? (laughs) (laughs) And he points it right at Angel and he says, Hi, Dad. What? Excuse me? (laughs) Time for fuck watch, right? (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is time for fuck watch. Horrible. Hey, LaToya, are you fucking television's Vincent Carthizer? Because he's so sexy in this app. Never in my entire life am I t- fucking TV's Vincent Carthizer. I'm sorry, TV's Vincent Carthizer, but no. The answer is, in all caps in my notes, Wesley. Mm. Yes, I chose Alt-World Wesley in birthday, but that was Alt-World Wesley. This is different. Fair, fair. He is quite hot. Yes, as I keep calling him a little bitch in my notes, I still at the end, I'm like, he's very hot. Yeah, no, you've made a beautiful and smart choice. (laughs) And I deeply respect it. Uh, Meanwhile, I have chosen to fuck Gru, because he needs it. He's... I thought you were about to say TV's missing Oh my god, (laughs) never. Um, I was just like, he, like, I just, I want to take care of him. Uh, and make sure that he's okay because he's he's going through it right now. So I'll give him attention. Yeah, because you you've chosen Gru with the the hair. 
And no, that was his poster I didn't. Card. I skipped you didn't it. Use I, it? I, 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 this is my first group pick. I've conserved. Oh, yeah, because you, you, you skipped it like a fool. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I had to pick someone else at certain. I can't remember who it was, but I had to. Um, so, yeah, now, now I, I've saved my groove for now. And now when he needs me most, I'm here. <laughs> Saving all my love for groove. So should we talk about television's missing Carthizer, who gets the guest starring credit at the end Mm -hmm. for a little surprise? What would you like to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's very clear from the way the episode ended. He is Connor. He is Connor Angel. Connor Angel. Uh, I've heard of him. But uh, Latoya, that doesn't make sense. He's a baby. Morgan, have you not heard about the way time moves in Hell Dimensions? It's not like these shows have talked about it many, many times. No, I I can't remember. Uh, yeah, seems like he aged in the Hell Dimension and then less time passed in our dimension. Yeah. And now we can talk about what I always talk about, which is the casting of Vincent Carthizer as Connor Angel. Yeah. This is not criticism on his acting, because, you know, Morgan and I, we love Mad Men. I... We can quote Pete Campbell all day, every day. The king ordered it. <laughs> <laughs> this is something, especially knowing we'd be leading to this. Mm-hmm. I've been going through, of course, you know, my Rolodex of the WB stable of boys, oh, yeah. because you have to imagine, because as much as I've looked around on the internet, I have no idea who was auditioning for the role. Mm-hmm. I can imagine who was auditioning for the role mm-hmm. because of the stable of boys. And I think who I landed on would be, I think, the most understandable casting of the stable was uh, Matt Zucri, mm-hmm. Of course, Gilmore Girls, Logan Huntsberger himself. I love that. So I'm thinking who w- would make sense? Because you're casting someone who's supposed to be the child of Derry Boreanaz and Julie Benz. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, just... Visit Carthider makes no sense to me in that casting. Yeah, he doesn't look like them, uh, which, you know, we fudge stuff sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't see it. And also it's just like he, he's a very, like, specific actor who is really good and can be utilized really well. He's a tough energy to bring in as, like, a side dish to something already established. I feel like Vincent Carthizer is best when baked in to the uh, to the whole thing. So he can let you know that California bagels are terrible. They're terrible. It's a chip and dip. <laughs> if anyone, honestly, this is like uh, asking call sheet stuff, but if anyone knows of any actors who auditioned for the role of Connor, please let us know because that's something I've always wanted to know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do you have any uh, anyone else from the WB stable of boys you think uh, probably would have like, been in consideration as well? I'm assuming the Chad would have been like talk to about mm-hmm. the role. I, um, Chad Michael Murray <laughs> as Connor Angel would be hilarious. Good Lord. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty, as like episode ending cliffhangers go, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, and I think the episode both sets it up and also it's like, it's a good surprise. It's a good surprise to have at the end. Yeah. It's the idea that it's like, okay, we're going to try to put this behind us. And ultimately the end is no, you can't. It is impossible to put this behind you, uh, not just because of, like, the trauma that is going to live with you forever of losing your son, but because now he's back. <laughs> Classic Buffy verse 
uh, classic rug being pulled. Also, this is going to be anticlimactic, but as for WB episode Angel Should Watch, I've already just said, like, Superstar and Immense. <laughs> and Afterlife is UPN. I was thinking, does Angel know who Jonathan is? Because here's the thing. He, he showed up at prom. Angel did. So there's that. And I mean, he, I'm sure Buffy told him about the events. Like, he, he was in, earshot, yeah, earshot about yeah. how she saved this kid from trying to kill himself. I'm sure she told Angel that. But, like, I don't think he, like, knows who Jonathan is. I don't think he could pick him out of a lineup. No. Like, given what we know about his ability to discern things going on on the outskirts of things. Uh, and, yes, I am referring to the, uh, wait, let me get this straight. You and Gunn are dating. Like, this guy's not picking up on subtext. This guy's not seeing stuff going on in the margins. So, yeah, he does not know who Jonathan is. And that's really funny to me. I like that. Yeah. Have fun watching. Su- and I think he'd really enjoy watching uh, Xander be a simp for Jonathan. <laughs> we always know how to end it, don't we? Oh, yeah, we do. Watch the frog. Angel is a vampire. Does he even like TV? I think he'll like the WB. They got that hot teen drama to ease the pain and trauma. And here's the episode that he needs to see. Oh, yeah. See, plugs, Morgan. That's your, that's your job. Hey, uh, if you would like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AngelOnTopCast. If you go to AngelOnTop.com, you will be directed to our Patreon. And that is all for us. If you'd like to find me anywhere on social media, you can follow me at Lorgan Mudich on whatever platform you like. If I have it, that'll be my username. Latoya, where can the people find you and should they? They should not (laughs) ever. They keep doing it. I don't know why. Yeah, please. Um, yeah, Twitter responsibly. <laughs> please. We're begging you. <laughs> and uh, that is all for us over here at the Hyperion. <laughs> it's a chip and dip. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.